Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Twins fall to the Braves in the Grapefruit League 9-4. to It's winding down, and the countdown to opening day in Kansas City is underway. And by the way, we'll have the opener in all 162 here in the home of the Twins. And we should remind you, Thursday, our pregame at 2.30, first pitch after 3. There is chance rain in Kansas City, but I'm optimistic we'll get the ball game in. Weather expected to be in the mid-60s Thursday in Kansas City. And Henry Lake will be in Kansas City later in the week and uh, be doing his show after the season opener on Thursday night from KC, so we've got that. Loon's home tonight to get Vancouver. We'll have more on that later on. Uh, the Wild are home today, and we're going to have something on that right now. Dane Mizutani joins us. He covers the Wild for the Pioneer Press. Dane, good to visit with you. It's been a while. I know. Good to see you, Steve. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things uh, about this Wild club right now, no Kirill Kaprizov, but... They've been able to find a way to get points. Uh, the game in New Jersey, an example, uh, they, they found a way to get a point, and as they close in on the end of the regular season, I mean, that every point now solidifies their spot. Yeah, and that's a good point, Steve. I mean, you look at what the Wild have been able to do. Karol Kaprizov has missed seven games now here with the Lloyd body injury. Went down March 8th uh, you know, against the Winnipeg Jets. Um, weird play that how it happened. Everyone kind of remembers it now, but... Uh, Logan Stanley, he's like 6'7", 240, falls on top of him. Kirill's legs kind of turn into a pretzel, and he's been on the shelf ever since. Uh, the good news for the Wild is they've been finding ways to score goals since then. Um, you mentioned getting points. Um, yes, they've been getting points largely because they've been finding ways to score goals. Um, if you want to look at it as kind of a glass half full, um, maybe this is in a roundabout way a good thing for the Wild, learning how to score goals without Kirill Kaprizov. It did seem like... Um, for long stretches this season, uh, it was kind of like, let's just let Kirill do what he does. And, you know, if he scores goals, great. If he doesn't, um, you know, you saw the team kind of go through some scoring woes themselves. So they kind of had to figure it out without him. Um, maybe that's a good thing um, heading into the playoffs here. You have 10 games now to kind of hone things in, refine your skills, and, and kind of tune it up before the playoffs get going here. Um, if they can feel confident about themselves and then add Kirill Kaprizov back into that mix, um, you know, this injury maybe wasn't the worst thing in the world for the while. Yeah, and Dean, you did a story on that uh, that that was published a day ago, and he still hasn't started skating, so there's really not a timeline for his return. Is the hope that he will be back before the end of the regular season? Uh, so we asked Dean about that yesterday, um, and they don't really give a ton of injury updates, the Wild as a whole, um, but they did give us that timeline. Um, so he got hurt on March 8th. On March 9th, they gave the timeline of three to four weeks, whatever that means. Uh, to me, that meant three to four weeks. Uh, don't ask us about him for three to four weeks. Um, and, and, and that kind of kind of coincides with the end of the regular season. So rather than calling him day-to-day or week-to-week, um, the Wild put out this timeline, essentially saying, you know, he's, he's, he's likely not going to play the rest of the way here. The hope is to get him, up, you know, up to speed and ready to go by playoff time. Uh, will he be ready by playoff time? Uh, I think that's what the organization is hopeful for. Um, but, you know, we're two and a half, three weeks away now 
um, from game one of, of the first round of the playoffs, and Carell still hasn't started skating. Um, the good news for the Wild fans is Carell is going to need like 10 seconds to, to feel up to par and, and then ready once he does touch ice. Um, it's not someone who needs a ton of time to ramp up. He's a world-class player. Um, you know, I think the, the, the stick skills, um, the shot will come back right away. Um, as long as he can push off, um, as long as that lower body injury heals up correctly, um, and again, Carell is cleared to get back on the ice, I don't think it'll take him long uh, to get going. Um, it's just a matter of when is he cleared to get back on the ice. And, and I think that's a question mark that's going to be hanging over you know, everyone's head for the next 10 games here um, as the Wild kind of try and stir up seating um, before the playoffs start. Dane Zutani covers the Wild for the Pioneer Press. Joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline, Chicago in town today. And uh, Chicago's had a really tough season, a little bit more on the Blackhawks in a moment. In reality right now, the top eight are pretty much set in the NHL's Western Conference. You've got, you know, five points separating Winnipeg and Nashville right now. Nashville on the outside looking in. Calgary six back. So, you know... The Wild are in really good shape, but you look ahead, and they're only a point behind Dallas, who leads the Central Division, and Colorado is a game in hand, and they're a point behind the Wild. So so there is still some things to be sorted out division-wise, but as far as the playoffs go, looks like we've got our final eight out west. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, the Wild are, are safe. Um, you know, I don't want to... If this thing goes sideways down the stretch and somehow they miss, I don't want to be the reason people are pointing at, but they're safe. They have 91 points. Um, they're 11 points clear of the, the first team below the playoff cut line, which is the National Predators, and the National Predators are currently losing to the Seattle Kraken right now. So the Wild are safe. They're going to make the playoffs. Um, but you're you're right when you talk about uh, – now it's all about seeding. Um, I think a month ago – Everyone was wondering, are, is this wild team even going to make the playoffs? Now, a month later, in, in, in a 14-game point streak, a franchise record 14-game 14, 14 point streak will, will certainly help with this. Um, but now you're looking at, can they win the Central Division? Um, so they're one point behind Dallas. Um, Colorado has a game in hand. They're two points behind Dallas. So there's going to be some jockeying for position here over the last two, two and a half weeks of the season. Um, but if the Wilds can win the Central Division, um, that's going to bode really well for them um, as far as who they play in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, if you're the Wild, you want to do anything in your power to avoid Colorado in the first round. Um, I think they have a chance against pretty much every other team. Um, I think the way that the team has been defending over the last three weeks, they have a puncher's chance against Colorado, but uh, I would never want to see the defending Stanley Cup champions. Um, they're really starting to find their legs. Um, so if they can find a way to avoid them, whether it's by winning the Central outright or actually Colorado winning the Central and then the Wild kind of take their chances with Dallas, um, all of that will be sorted out here in the next two or three weeks. Um, but, yeah, seeding really matters right now um, because for all intents and purposes, the Wild are going to make the playoffs. And Dane, goaltending has been such a big story. The way this season started, they were just blown out of the water, giving up goals. It was like, this is a nightmare start to the season. And it really was. And then uh, there there was a lot of thought, you know, it was Marc-Andre Fleury over the hill. But Philip Gustafson's been an unbelievable story. And Marc-Andre Fleury's been pretty good as of late. So, it, you know, as as bad as it was early in the season, they, they have completely turned it around, and now they're, they're a stingy team and get really good goaltending. Yeah, I think when you look at those first three games of the season, the 0-3 and all start, um, felt like the sky was falling. Uh, couldn't get a save. Um, when they weren't leaving their goaltender hung out to dry, you know, they also couldn't get a save from the goaltender, whoever it was, between the pipes. But, yeah, Philip Gustafson has, has been one of the coolest stories of, of the whole NHL season, not just from a wild perspective, but you know, from a league-wide perspective. Um, this is a guy who came out of nowhere, and he's right up there. When you look at any goalie stat um, that you want to, um, he's right at the top of that list. Um, he's been – you look at his numbers, and Lena Tomark for the Boston Bruins is going to win the best now, um, pretty much running away. Uh, Philip Gustafson's numbers are right there with that guy's number. You know, so he he has been to say a pleasant surprise isn't even you know contextualizing it the right way. Um, it's been 
kind of out of nowhere, uh, one of the best goaltenders in the league this year uh, is what the Wild got out of Philip Gustafson. And, and Marc-Andre Fleury, I know, you know it, it seems, he seems to be a lightning rod for criticism. Like when he has a couple of bad games, it, it, it seems to be, you know, uh, can Fleury play anymore? And, you know, yada, yada, yada. Sure. But, you know, you look at the last game. I, I know he wasn't great against the Flyers, but in seven games before that, um, he didn't lose. So um, it's a good tandem right now, and I think you need a good tandem in the modern day NHL. Um, and I think you're going to need both guys to be good if, if you hope to make a you know a playoff run in here. Damien Zutani covers the Wild for the Pioneer Press online at TwinCities.com. The Wild play the Blackhawks, and uh, they're they're mired. Uh, near the cellar, a point ahead of San Jose. Uh, they played one fewer game, but, you know, Chicago's in full rebuilding mode and a great opportunity for the Wild to get two more points and, you know, be in the mix to win the division. For sure. Um, you should win this game, but they probably should have won Thursday too. So you, you, you can't just go into a game in the NHL assuming the other team's just going to lay down. Um, I think you saw... A little bit of a lack of focus on Thursday against the Flyers from the Wild. Um, Marcus Foligno used the word lackadaisical. Um, Dean Evanson said some bad habits kind of creep back into their game. You just can't have that at this time of the year. So, yes, Blackhawks, they stink. They have 40, 54 points. They're, they're clearly in rebuilding mode, kind of in the tank for Connor Bedard, sweet stakes. Um, but you can't take anyone for granted. If the Wild don't come out tonight, or this afternoon with, with focus, um, you know, anything can happen. So you should win this game, but they're going to need to kind of show up and, and, and prove it um, to, to get the two points. And then a uh, final thought, Seattle and then Colorado's. A couple of good clubs coming up after Chicago. And uh, I should also mention Vegas this week. So that's a pretty tough week uh, for the Wild after the Chicago game today. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about seeding um, or getting ready for the playoffs, you're feeling you know like you're, you're you're playing the competition that you're going to see in the first round. What better way than than after tonight? Um, you know, you mentioned it: Seattle, Colorado, Vegas, all teams right at the top of you know their respective divisions. Um, obviously, going to be right in the hunt for you know for first round home home ice advantage for either three of those teams. So it, it, it's going to be something that I think is going to test the wild this week. And I think that's a good thing here heading into um, kind of the home stretch. I think you want to be playing good teams and be testing yourself against these good teams um, where you have to bring your focus night in, night out. Well, Dane, good to visit with you. And uh, you, you got to love these matinees. Get the game in, get the stories filed, and uh, you, you still have a Saturday night. Yeah, I can't complain. Um, we'll be, I think we'll be... Flipping on that go for hockey game in the press box too. Uh, once the yeah. game's over, so. And speaking of that, we're going to go to Fargo and get a get a preview of that one. Minnesota and St. Cloud State uh, coming up later in the day. The winner goes to the Frozen Four. Always uh, enjoy their visits. Thanks, Dane. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Anytime. All right, there he is, Dane Musitani. The Pioneer Press covers the Wild, and they get a matinee at four o'clock today downtown St. Paul. We have all the news. We have all the weather coming up here at 3 o'clock. And then I will go to Fargo Jazz Flyers from the rink live. He'll be in Fargo from the rink live, literally, again today. That, that, that's been a regular occurrence this season. It's kind of cool how that's worked out. So we'll get into that. Hey, a weather update uh, with the Twins game. They lose to the Braves 9-4 to at breezy Fort Myers today. 44 degrees here in the cities. North winds at 12. For today, we've, we've probably maxed out temp-wise. Tonight, cloudy, a lonely 26. Tomorrow, partly sunny, 41. Monday, cloudy, 40. Uh, Tuesday, mostly sunny, a little cooler, 34. Slight chance of snow and 35 on Wednesday. Uh, so we're going to see temps above freezing during the day and then below freezing at night. And that's going to slow the meltdown, which is a good thing. We'll have the news in a moment here on CCL. Twins fall in the Grapefruit League to the Braves 9-4. to Things quickly winding down. Opening day in Kansas City on Thursday. Our pregame at 2.30. First pitch after 3 o'clock. Pablo Lopez against Zach Greinke in the opener on Thursday. Baseball season is almost here. Two games in the books. Boys State Hoops Tournament at Target Center. And Albany has defeated Minnehaha Academy. 
Albany wins the title 72-65. to And earlier in the 1A championship game starting at 11 a.m., it was RTR, Russell Tyler Ruthen beating New Life Academy 59-49. Still to come, the 3A championship game, and that should be a dandy. Defending champ Totina Grace against De La Salle at 5, and then tonight at 8, Park Center, the defending champ, takes on Wyzetta, rematch of the title game a year ago. The Wild in action at 4, we heard that. Timberwolves are off. They will be in action tomorrow night, starting a trip out in California against Golden State. And we also, of course, have Minnesota United FC at home tonight. And they will get Vancouver more on that a little bit later on with Andy Greeter. But uh, another huge sporting event in Fargo today. Winner to the Frozen Four, St. Cloud State and Minnesota go at it. And joining us from the rink live, Jess Myers. And Jess, you're enjoying all the sights and sounds of Fargo. You know, this is a sneaky, fun town. I did a little <laughs> survey before I got here. I did a story for the Rink Live uh, with a lot of people that have either played in Fargo or grew up in Fargo. Guys like Danny Ehrman, you know, used to be a great gopher player, played for the Wild a little bit. He's a Fargo guy. And I said, what are your best places to go? If you're coming from out of town, where, where, where should you see? Where should you eat? What should you see? All of that. Yeah. I got some great recommendations. This has been a really, really good, really fun host for this tournament. And, of course, having three Minnesota teams, Minnesota State, Mankato, St. Cloud State, and the Gophers all here didn't hurt because you got a lot of folks who can drive here from not too far away. So attendance has been good. It's, it's been a fun tournament. Yeah, and uh, Fargo-Moore had uh, uh, an important area, obviously, here in the upper Midwest. And the, the one thing I've always enjoyed – uh, about Fargo and my trips through there years ago, covering the NCC and making you know the winter trip to watch men's and women's hoops in Fargo and in Grand Forks is even way back in the day you could play blackjack in Fargo if memory <laughs> serves. That was kind of cool too. Well, I haven't done any of that, but I will okay. tell you, Steve, the Fargo <laughs> Film Festival uh, is oh yeah. Uh, and the you know the classic Fargo theater with the with the marquee that you know you see on all the postcards from here. I went there last night. They showed the Princess Bride, you know, classic movie from oh, eighty seven, yeah. great comedy. And after it was all over, Carrie Elwes, the star of the show who played Wesley, comes out, does an hour Q and A, tells some fantastic stories about working with Andre the Giant and working with Billy Crystal and learning how to fence for the sword fighting season. I mean, oh, it was wow. just a fascinating, fascinating talk. And in Fargo, North Dakota, of all places. I mean, you know, just a, again, this town really rolls out the red carpet for events like this. And it's been fun. Yeah, and quick story. I was trying to get Jazz Friday night on the Lake Show. I was sitting in for Henry Lake, and he's like, well, I'm going to the film festival. He said, well, why don't we do it today? And I'm thinking, Jess Myers is a man for all season, you know, taking in <laughs> films and uh, covering the hockey. I mean, you, you got it all covered. But I will say this about The Princess Bride, one of my wife's favorite movies of all time. She loves that film. That, that's really cool. And, and I'll tell you this. You haven't really seen The Princess Bride until you've been in a theater full of people who are obviously big fans of this movie. Yeah. And you've heard an entire theater recite in unison, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You <laughs> killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> that is awesome. That is oh, awesome. All right, let's, let's, let's turn to the regional. Um, th- this was really interesting on Thursday night because St. Cloud State takes care of Minnesota State, uh, old rivalry going back to the NCC days and all these sports. Uh, they're now Division One, Division One foes. Minnesota rivals get all of that. Then Minnesota takes on a, a school called Canisius. Minnesota, an overwhelming favorite, and the underdog, if memory serves, had a one-zero lead in that game and a two-one lead. And the Holy Cross tweets were flying on Twitter. And. And, of course, you know, we're, we're in the Red River Valley. We're in Fargo. We're not in Grand Forks. Right. But, man, oh, man, a lot of Canisius fans who decided to wear green to the game. That was really interesting. Uh, yeah. 
Anytime the Griffins would score, there seemed to be this whole, I called it an emerald army that would stand up and, and make yeah. it be heard that they were, they were pulling for the underdogs. So then the Gophers come back. They score nine goals. They win going away. Bryce Brodzinski uh, gets a hat trick. Uh, and everybody thinks, okay, that was the one versus the 16 matchup. You expect to score, see nine goals in a game like that. Well, Steve, I don't know if you saw the scores yesterday, but the Big Ten, which has been much maligned for 10 years now because they haven't won a national title, uh, none of the Big Ten teams have, have won, a, won a championship in the 10 years that it's been a hockey league. And everybody says, oh, Big Ten hockey is a joke. None of the teams are any good. Well, uh, Ohio State plays Harvard yesterday. Buckeyes win 8-1. to one. Penn State plays Michigan State yesterday. Uh, excuse me, Michigan Tech. And the Nittany Lions win 8 nothing. Michigan plays Colgate yesterday, and the Wolverines win 11-1. to I mean, these wow. are like, you know, what you expect from the first round of the Class A girls tournament if it's, uh, you know, Hermantown versus Mankato East or something like that. Um, so the Big Ten is looking really, really strong. They outscored, in four games, the Big Ten outscored their opponents 36-4, to which is just mm. crazy. Now, I don't know if that's sustainable. I mean, you know, Michigan and Penn State will play each other. Something's got to give there. I don't know if the Gophers are going to put up nine goals against the St. Cloud State team. In fact, I would guess they probably aren't because St. Cloud has been really good defensively. They haven't given up a goal in a couple games. A guy named Jackson Caster, who's, you know, they, they've kind of been rotating their goalies and kind of trying to figure out what they're doing goalie-wise, and Jackson Caster has taken over that job and played really well. So that's what Bob Motzko's message to the Gophers was, was the Huskies are going to try to shut you down defensively. And I think a lesson that the Gophers learned against Canisius was in the first period they tried to do a lot of that fancy passing between the legs, behind the back, real pretty highlight real stuff, and it didn't work. And you can't really do that in the playoffs. You have to play a hard, gritty game. You go to the net, you hack away at the puck until you see the red light, once they started doing that, things turned around, and I think that's the kind of game you're going to see today between these two teams. Yeah, and uh, Bob Motzko has ties to both programs, I understand. Yes, there's, there's a couple <laughs> of ties there. You know, Bob, yeah. Bob played for the Huskies. He coached the Huskies for, you know, more than a decade. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Steve, uh, Herb Brooks. He yeah. actually coached both of these teams at one point in his career. There, you know, the, the rink in St. Cloud is named after him, and he led the Gophers to three national titles as well. So, yeah, uh, you know, these are these are like uh, first cousins that are that are rivals in just about everything. There's the proximity. There's you know, thirty plus years of history of great games. They have played each other in the NCAA playoffs once before in 2014 in St. Paul. Gophers won four nothing and went on to go to the to the national championship game where they lost to Union. That was the Gophers' last trip to the national championship game. So. You know, I don't know if you can draw any good omens or any, you know, historical precedent or anything like that, but there is a little bit of history between these two teams, and going to be a lot of fans of both teams here, too. All right, a l- little bit about the building Shields Arena in Fargo. Looks like a really nice rink. Yeah, about, about 5,000 seats, maybe a little yep. more. The Fargo Force, their USHL team plays here. And I can't help but think when I come in here, Steve, you know, this building was built, I want to say, 15 years ago or so. Well, about a decade ago, maybe a little more than that, Minnesota State Moorhead made a strong push that they were going to try and add Division One hockey. They would they would have played at Shields Arena. They needed to raise, I want to say, $30 million to make it work, and they couldn't quite get to that number. You know, you wow. think 10, 12 years ago we were just coming out of a recession. There wasn't that kind of money for people to donate. So in the end they couldn't make it work. But I can't help but think, what might have been if Minnesota State Moorhead would have become a Division One program and given the Fargo Moorhead area Division One hockey? Because you know, with three colleges here, I think it's long overdue that that one of them gets a a big time hockey program. Yeah, and, and I would wonder any talk about NDSU going that route because right up I twenty nine there are tribals North Dakota and they kind of give and take. NDSU made the move to D one and. North Dakota eventually followed. Is, is there any momentum there? I don't think there's a lot of momentum for it right now. And I tell you, Steve, the biggest thing, you talk about the rivalry. It's not only the schools that are rivals, but it's the communities that are rivals as well. You know, it's kind of a civic rivalry between Grand Forks and Fargo. Well, let's be honest. If NDSU adds a hockey team, and they could do it, obviously, it's a good school. They draw a lot of players from Minnesota to come there, and, and they would be a destination program. But 
let's be honest, for the first five years, Bison hockey is going to have a rough go of things, and they're going to play North Dakota, and those scores are going to be pretty lopsided. Yeah. And I think that's more than the egos of, of the Fargo hockey people <laughs> could handle right away. So I think, I think that's maybe one thing holding the idea back, because they certainly have a facility where they could play. It's a good school. They're, you know, they would be a natural fit. I would think in a conference like the NCHC eventually, but uh, it, I don't hear a lot of momentum for it right now. Jess Myers joining us from the rink live on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. One of the big events today is uh, regional final St. Cloud State and Minnesota, the number one overall seed from Shields Arena in Fargo, the winner to the Frozen Four. One game already underway, Cornell and BU there in the first. That would be the first team to get through to the Frozen Four. And when when you look at the interest in this, I, I guess the only thing is, is you get these regionals, and then there's another layoff. And you and I alluded to that when, when Minnesota had, you know, clinched the Big Ten regular season title and a first-round bye in the tournament, and they were going to sit around. There, there is a layoff between this regional final and when you play again. And I, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of that. I was looking at the calendar today, Steve. I think it's about 10 days I'll be in Tampa, which, you know, everybody looks yeah. forward to. And, and it's honestly been mentioned. They've had two Frozen Fours in Tampa. They're going to have another one this year. It's honestly been mentioned that, you know, why not make Tampa a permanent site for the NCAA Hockey Frozen Four? Now, the Tampa Bay Lightning would object to that because the NHL team has to be out of its building for something like five or six days. And for a lot of teams, this is right at the time of year when you're pushing and trying to make the playoffs, and you don't want to have that many road games strung right in a row. So you, you're, you're not going to see that where, where Tampa becomes the permanent host, but they do a great job of it. And I'll tell you, I don't mind the one-weekend layoff between the regionals and the Frozen Four, mostly for this reason. Next weekend is going to be the basketball Final Four for men right. and women, yeah. and that's going to take center stage, and, and rightfully so, and you've got teams like Minnesota Duluth, which is going to play for the Division Two national title in women's basketball. So a lot of attention will be focused there. I think the Frozen Four would get lost in all of that. So I don't mind pushing it back another week and kind of having that weekend to themselves uh, to play the hockey championships. All right, uh, some thoughts on this game today. You mentioned St. Cloud State, stingy defensively. We know the Minnesota Golden Gophers like to get up and down the ice on Lake Mariucci, <laughs> and, 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 I, and I love that. I, I, I love that term for the big rink at 3M Arena at Mariucci, but uh, I would assume an NHL-sized sheet it, advantage St. Cloud a little bit in this game. Well, St. Cloud plays their home games on a big sheet as well. So yeah. you've got two teams that are used to the big ice. I, I think the smaller sheet is maybe in a little advantage for the Huskies just because they play that more defensive style of game and there's not as much room to make plays. Now, with that said, the Gophers are the healthier team, and I don't think there's any question that the Gophers are the more talented team between these two. So take that for what you will. They played two great games back in January. In fact, the only team that has shut out the Gophers this season was Jackson Castor, who we talked about before, that St. Cloud yeah. State goalie. Uh, they, they won a 3 nothing game up in St. Cloud, came back to Minneapolis the next night, and lo and behold, Logan Cooley gets an overtime winner, just a, a, a fantastically fun hockey game. So... I love the fact that we get one one more game between these two teams. I said the bad news is we're only going to get one Minnesota team in the Frozen Four. The good news is we're guaranteed to get one Minnesota team in the Frozen Four. Yeah, and, and final thought on that, Jess. Has there been any griping about that, that they put Minnesota State, St. Cloud State, and number one overall seed Minnesota in Fargo? There has been some griping about it. Uh, the one place I think it was good is the crowds were fantastic for the first game, and I think, I think you'll get a sellout crowd, and they'll be enthusiastic here today. So as tough as it is to know that at best one Minnesota team is going to come out of that regional, I don't mind, I guess, the guarantee that one way or another we're going to have uh, a group of Huskies fans or a group of Gophers fans down in Tampa uh, you know, wear, wearing the golf shirts, going to the game. It'll be a lot of fun. All right, Jess, finally, how do people follow you in game today? What, what's the easiest way to do it? I am at Live. Yeah, uh, uh, at Jess R. Myers. I'll be tweeting during the game. And then TheRinkLive.com, we've got a whole team of reporters and photographers here. We, we've got some great coverage. I did a story yesterday, Steve. Uh, Jeff Winslow, the trainer for the Gophers, guys who are kind of behind the scenes, don't get as much credit. Well, after what happened with the Buffalo Bills player collapsing, 
trainers are suddenly a, a lot more in the forefront. And, and Jeff's a fascinating guy. He's in his 14th year with the team and talked about some of the work he does, not only to keep their bodies in sheep, shape but to keep their minds in shape when there's so much more emphasis on mental health for players all right great work look forward to it the rink live jess myers joining us from fargo uh always enjoy our chats always good to talk hockey steve have a good weekend there he is jess myers from fargo quick break we'll come back there's a ton to get into today on the program i I don't know how we're going to squeeze it all in between now and six o'clock to be perfectly honest, on this Saturday afternoon. Uh, We'll have another state tournament update coming up here on the program today. Uh, Dan Hayes covers the Twins and Major League Baseball for the Athletic. Joins us at about 3.35. Steve Carney takes us outdoors. Cal Soderquist, Timberwolves Radio Network. Andy Greeter covers the Loons for the Pioneer Press. Uh, Kevin Lynch from Valley Sports North, all on the way here at News Talk. E3OWC. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Huge sports Saturday. Twins fall to the Braves 9-4. More with Dan Hayes from The Athletic here in under 10 minutes. Stick around for that. PGA Tour it is the match play down in Austin, Texas. WGC Dell Technologies match play. And these World Golf Championship events are going away because the PGA Tour is moving toward these uh, elevated events, if you will, where they're offering much bigger prize money and limited fields. And that's an answer to live and what they've done. So... The WGCs are going to go away, and here's where we stand. Uh, Burns and Hughes, uh, Burns one up through 13. Scheffler leading Day, or Day one up through 11. McElroy and Shoffley are tied through 11. And then Young, that's Cam Young, leads Kitayama three up through nine. So... That's what we've got, quarterfinals in Austin, Texas. And they play at that course kind of down by the river in Austin. Looks pretty cool. I'd love, I'd love to tee it up there someday. But I, at this point, I'd like to tee it up anywhere if, if possible. And it looks like uh, a warm one deep in the heart of Texas. So uh, the match play underway, and we'll, we'll keep you up to date on that. As we go through today, we should remind you, if you're just tuning in, two champions have been crowned over at Boys Hoops at Target Center today. Still to come, 3A title game at 5. Number 1, Totino Grace. Number 3, De La Salle. Totino Grace, the defending champ. And then in 4A, Park Center against YZ. That'll be at about 8 o'clock tonight. Uh, number 1, Park Center. Number 3, YZ. It's a rematch of the Pirates. Once again, are the defending champs. Two champions were crowned earlier in the day today. And RTR beat New Life Academy 59-49. Uh, I, I was up early today. I, I got a call 
on Friday, actually an email, and they said, Steve, could you call a couple of games over at the Ganglehoff Center on Saturday morning? Sure. Um, and I, I got up at about 6, made it over to the Ganglehoff Center around 7, first game at 8, and it was Nevis beating Sacred Heart 62-47 for Consolation in 1A. And then at 10 a.m., it was Spring Grove beating Cherry 68-43. Spring Grove down there on the Iowa border. Cherry up on the Iron Range. And uh, Spring Grove wins the hardware. And then, of course, RTR uh, is the 1A champ. So, boys hoops wrapping up today. And our good buddy Dave Lee has uh, the call of the championship games. Two to go there. 3A at 5, 4A tonight at 8 o'clock from Target Center over on Channel 45. 3.30 is our time. We'll have an update on the weather. And then Dan Hayes will take a look at what this Twins team will look like on opening day. The starters, the key guys out of the bullpen, and then what that everyday lineup is going to look like. Dan Hayes from The Athletic next here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. You heard the ball game earlier in the day from Fort Myers. Uh, Twins and Braves split squad today. The game you heard on the radio at uh, the Lee County Sports Complex won by the Braves 9-4. to Meanwhile, the Braves beat the Twins at their facility 9-4. to So not a good day for Twins pitching as we count down to the start of the regular season in Kansas City on Thursday. And we're pleased to be joined by... Dan Hayes, who covers the Twins at MLB for The Athletic, and he joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Uh, Dan, good to visit with you, and thanks for the time. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on, and a uh, great day for the Braves. Uh, hopefully <laughs> it got them back a little bit of a uh, little revenge for 1991. So, Yeah. Uh, I, I saw a tweet you sent out earlier in the day to that effect that was, was really interesting. Um, as we wind down spring training, I know – from talking to ball players and listening to Dan Gladden in particular, uh, the major leaguers are ready to get out of town and get things started, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I mean, days like today are long days. And, yeah. You know, you look at who gave up the bulk of the runs. It's two guys that are going to be starting the season in the minor leagues. In fact, Jose De Leon, who had a really nice start for Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic, gave up six today and two thirds of an inning uh, in relief, and then was reassigned to minor league camp. And that, I mean, that was pretty much a foregone conclusion the way the rest of the pitching staff has worked out, which, you know, has been really good. Um, when you look at the group through and through the 13 that should make the uh, roster cut, uh, there's, there's been a lot of things to like so far. Um, and, and at this point, you're just hoping to get through healthy and, and get there and, you know, can finally see the light at the uh, the end of that tunnel, and I think a lot of guys are ready to go. And the the thing about the the Twins starting pitching in particular at the end of the season, and the the way the twenty two season ended, you know, way behind Cleveland and and Chicago in the American League Central Division, Cleveland ended up running away with it. But but going into the off season with Kent Maeda returning. It looked as though the twin starting pitching was going to be in a pretty good spot, and then they go out trade the defending American League batting champ Luis Arise to the Miami Marlins and pick up Pablo Lopez, who will start by the way on opening day in Kansas City. And that veteran staff got a little bit deeper, so it, it should be one of the strengths of the club this year. Yeah, it, it's weird to say that because I know we we always have the joke, right? Uh, Kenny pitch. And uh, yeah. it, it's been valid for a long time, but you look at the group and whether it's Joe Ryan and he really put in some work on his secondary pitches in the offseason, Maeda coming back and look, he's refining command. It's not all there because he had Tommy John surgery, but he made some serious progress late in his start on Friday at Tampa. Um, you know, Bailey over uh, looking like the odd man out right now. Um, you know, Tyler Malley's healthy and, and throwing well. Sonny Gray has been electric and, and as you mentioned, Pablo Lopez, it, it's a really good group to go into the season with. And I think they learned a lot of their lessons from last year when they were really hamstrung early on uh, with injuries. You know, they were making trades. They signed guys late. They had seven starting pitchers, essentially, that they felt good about going into opening day. And then Chris Paddock got hurt three weeks in. And 
Um, you know, Chris Archer still hasn't signed because his hip last year just wasn't capable of pitching, holding up deep into games. And so you have a guy that you signed towards the end of camp going four innings. And Dylan Bundy uh, did a good job tricking teams the first two times through, but didn't have enough of a arsenal to kind of pitch deep into games. And you really were limited. And I, I think the Twins looked at that. And, you know, some of it was just getting Maeda back. Um, some of it was Joe Ryan having a full season under his belt. And, you know, Sonny Gray last year went into camp having just started throwing again after shutting himself down for three weeks during the lockout. They were really behind. And, you know, a year ago they were able to somehow, you know, get through to June. And I, I believe there was a point where every pitcher in the starting rotation was on the injured list. There were five guys on the injured list at one point in mid-June or something like that. They really wanted to avoid that this year, and, and so, you know, knock on wood, but here we are towards the end of March, and, and they're in a really good spot as we're turning the corner and opening days here, and I think that should, not just with health, are they good, but they have guys who can pitch deeper into games, and that's been sort of a big fan criticism last year of the of the staff is they don't let their guys pitch deep into games, but the fact of the matter is the Twins haven't had the pitchers before to do that. I think they're a little better suited. Um, this time there were some guys with some really healthy numbers uh, the third time through the lineup, and I think they would like to test that out and and see if it actually plays uh, because they would like to keep their bullpen in better shape than it was last year. Yeah, it, it, it just became kind of a, a downward spiral. You, know, you wear out the bullpen, the bullpen wears out, and you really don't have uh, a chance at that point. And, and they do start the year with, with – I, I would say more structure in the bullpen, if you will, where where you got pitchers who had pretty good years a, a year ago stepping into more prominent roles. So starter and bullpen looks to be uh, a lot more reliable. It's all on paper at this point, but, yeah, I mean, they, they, they've got some more things figured out on the back end as well. Yeah, I mean, having Yoan Duran uh, have that kind of season – and know that he's a, a capable guy that can step in, whether it's a get-out-of-a-jam situation or it's a save situation, just having him um, as a, a possible option. And, not you know, last year we didn't know what he was going to do. And opening day he kind of came in and blew everybody away with that, that performance. I was like, oh, wow, they have something here. And then it just got better and better. Um, you, you pair him, I think they expect a lot better from Jorge Lopez. He's looked really really nasty this spring and you know he's still throwing 98 with that sinker and uh, he was an all-star before he came over to the twins and really had a rough time putting it together i think he's a lot more comfortable having been here all camp and and getting a feel for the guys um working with christian vasquez is going to be great for him you know you you get jorge alcala back he was pretty good in in 2021 uh before being hurt last year i think they really missed him griffin jacks Really stepped in last year and had a very good sort of first year as a as a reliever, and he's looked outstanding this spring. Um, Caleb Gilbar has been incredible the last couple of years, especially in this this second half of his career. And you go through that group, and when you know Emilio Pagan, I know he's somebody that everybody gets all uh, pretty upset about, and it, it's understandable. He's given up ten home runs or more, I believe, in four his last four full seasons. Last year, he was pitching key roles for this team. Um, he was basically their closer at points early on in the year. And right now, the, the way it's structured, he's probably your fifth, sixth best reliever. And that's a great place to be because he really does have some nasty stuff. Uh, you look at the metrics on his stuff. He is, he's got great spin rate. He's got a really good fastball. He just makes mistakes. And I, I think that if he's pitching the fifth, sixth inning of games, the Twins are in a lot better position than if he's in the eighth inning, ninth inning of games. And they feel good about where they're at, um, and and they really just need the health to maintain, which obviously we saw was a huge issue last year. Yeah, and speaking of health, the, the everyday lineup, a couple of key guys, uh, Alex Kirilov and Byron Buxton. Uh, it sounds as though Buxton won't play a ton in the field, uh, will will be a regular DH to start out. Uh, Alex Kirilov won't start with the club, and then of course Jorge Polanco, another key guy, uh, the the everyday second baseman. But the Twins did bring in guys that can fill some of these gaps because they really are taking it easy with Bugston, Kirilov, and Polanco at this point. 
yeah, it's weird to say it's possible that all three of those guys are encouraging in encouraging spots right now. Um, I, you know, talking to Kirloff, and and can you can see a difference in where he is right now than where he was a year ago. You can tell that there's less concern. Um, he really is. He was supposed to be behind. That was the plan all along, was to let him work his way into it because look, this was the last resort with his wrist injury and wrist surgery, um, there's really nothing else to do because you can't just regenerate a wrist and chop off the old one. So he he basically did the the effect of that by going in and breaking the bone intentionally to shave down the other bone. It, you know, it's as about drastic of an injury or surgery as you can possibly have for a young hitter. And he's responded really well. The other day we were talking to him, he said, you know, he's realistic. He knows he's not going to be ready by opening day but he also said but i'm really not that far behind so he'll start out here keep getting some at bats with the wrist and i think the hope is then he can you know be in st paul and towards the end of april and and, and plan but um buxton every day he's been playing uh it, it essentially like it really seems like they're trying to say we know that april conditions are terrible we don't want you out there in the field for four hours three hours um during those conditions, we want to kind of let you ease into this. I do expect we'll see him in center field a lot, but it's just not going to be early on. I think early on we'll see him at DH quite a bit, and I, I can understand why they're trying to do everything they can to protect him. Um, you know, they're a 93-pace win team with him, and uh, that is a good pace that the Twins don't normally play at. So keeping him healthy is is key, and they know that. And And then lastly, Jorge Polanco, you know, it, it's been tricky. His knee has been up and down. It was just bone bruise last year, but it was serious pain. And they, they don't use the word pain with him. They've always used the word soreness with him, whether it was ankle, you know, other stuff he's played through. And you remember, this is a guy who had two surgeries on his, his show, uh, like his right shin after the season ended in 19. And then either, I believe it was 2020, um, where he had those surgeries and he had played through it. And the fact that he missed 58 games last year gives you an idea of just how serious his knee was. And um, he's he's encouraged from what we're hearing, but it has not translated into playing in major league or minor league games. And so they're trying to ramp him up, but it's kind of just an up and down process. And it's definitely tricky. And, it you know, he's a, a key contributor to their lineup. I think when he went out of the lineup, uh, midway last summer, he was leading the team in home runs and RBIs, and they sorely missed him. I think they're a little better suited to handle his absence this year. Nick Gordon can play. Kyle Farmer can. You know, if we see them dip down into minor leagues, Edward Julian uh, looks really good, uh, but he's got a little ways to go. And uh, But I, I think the Twins feel pretty good about their depth overall. Yeah, and uh, another guy I wanted to bring up before we run out of time, Dan. Once again, Dan Hayes joining us. Covers the Twins and MLB for the Athletic is Trevor Larnick. Uh, looks good to go. This is a highly touted college prospect, and it looks like his time is now. You know, every time he's been on the field, he's been uh, been on the field and healthy. He's been electric. Uh, last year, he was healthy through the end of May, and he got the the core muscle injury, which I've been told now it, it's the former sports hernia, but soccer has changed it to a core muscle injury. He suffered that sometime around the end of May, early June. At the time, he had like 890 OPS. He was electric, and he was playing great defensively, too. I think he had six assists in the outfield last year and really just made some strides with the glove that, I, frankly, I didn't know he had in him. Um, but he's looked great. And, again, this is spring training. And, you know, I think in Major League they made that joke about hey, the guy might be bagging groceries in two weeks, so don't don't take all the, the stats into account. But he has really hit the ball well. And um, he's a guy who is, is ready for it. It's just the key of staying healthy. And early on he was very smart about a groin injury that he suffered here in camp. Uh, he just felt a little tightness, and he told the trainer, and they worked on it. And, and instead of playing through it, instead of letting it, you know, kind of hamper his abilities – they worked around it, and he got back, and he's been great to finish camp here. And, uh, talking to the trainer, Nick Paparesta, that was something that he needs his guys to do. And, and I think that there's a voice there with the trainer 
that maybe there's a voice and organization and experience that maybe hadn't been there a little bit the last couple of years. They feel really good about their medical process right now, and that's a great thing to, to hear from them given everything that happened last year. Yeah, tough year for the Twins, and things fell apart late. And they finished way behind Cleveland in the Central Division. Well, Dan, good to visit with you opening day coming up, and I'll, I'll say it early, happy opening day. It's Thursday in Kansas City. <laughs> All right, thanks, Steve. All right, there he is, Dan Hayes from The Athletic, and great stuff. And he joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. We'll come back, check some scores. Uh, we'll go outdoors with Steve Carney following the news at 4 here on News Talk, E3O-WCCO. All the news, all the weather at 4. We'll go outdoors with Steve Carney, NCAA Tournament. Who's going to the Final Four? Well... Florida Atlantic against Kansas State uh, coming up a little after 4 o'clock. And then tonight, UConn and Gonzaga uh, with the winner to the Frozen Four on the men's side. And then on Sunday, Creighton against San Diego State. And then Miami against Texas, both those games tomorrow on CBS. This will be an unusual uh, Final Four, uh, for sure. And then in, in the women's tournament, a lot going on there as well. Some games in progress on this Saturday afternoon. And number three, Ohio State leading UConn, 30-20. to Paint backers not available. Tennessee, Virginia, Tech later. Notre Dame, Maryland in the books. Maryland wins at 76-59. Team from the Big Ten through. And South Carolina beat UCLA at 59 43, but once again, Ohio State and UConn right now, and the Buckeyes lead it 32-23. to 23. Quick update on the weather. Uh, sun and clouds, 43 now, northwest winds at 14 miles an hour tonight. Lunar 26, tomorrow sunny and 41. Uh, Monday, cloudy 40. Tuesday, sunny only 35. Then a slight chance of snow in 35. We don't see any major warm-ups. That's probably a good thing with the snowpack because there are a lot of flooding worries. Paul Douglas has been talking about that. We'll have the news in a moment here on CCO. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.